Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to turn your garden into a smart garden on News Radio 830 WCCO. Smart Gardens, an hour of expert advice and answers to all of your lawn and gardening questions. You can call 989-9226 or text us at 81807. Now, here's Denny Law with this week's Smart Garden. Yes, good morning. Live from the Minnesota State Fair along with uh, Professor Mary Meyer. Mary, good to see you again. Great to be here, Denny. Good morning. If you're new to the uh, show, Mary is a member of the Horticultural Science Faculty at at the University of Minnesota Extension. You're not far from... uh, your office right Close now is my That's yes. right. I made my first. I have to admit this. I, I told you this off the air. Uh, I was here with my son a couple of days ago, and we went to the Egg Hort building. What a busy place that is. What a great I building. Spend a, I spend an hour or two there, Denny, after the Even show. You. Oh, it's great. There's a lot going on there. You can get the newest apple, First Kiss, in there. You can see what the grape growers are doing. You can ask a question at the Master Gardener booth. So there's a lot to see in the Hort building. I think you and I have talked about the apples uh, in the past. And uh, why is it that the U of M has had such success with apples? Well, it it's, the, it's, it's the neighborhood. It's the neighborhood. It's one of three breeding programs in the United States, and the U is interested in fresh-eating apples. So not processing, but fresh-eating. And uh, First Kiss is the newest one. What's that like? Have you tasted it? Um, I actually have not tasted First Kiss, but it's a lot like Honey Crisp, which is that. a parent. And Sweet Tango is another new one. So they're all available over at the, um, the Hort Building, so it's a great time to get them. So the deal with Sweet Kiss is it's... Our first kiss is it's early. It's early. Honeycrisp is more uh, mid or late season apple, okay. but first kiss is early. So it's ripe at the state fair time. Excellent. So that's the big deal with that. If you have a uh, lawn or garden question for Mary, you can bring it up here at the, uh, the deck. We'll give you a microphone, or you can call us as usual, 651-989-9226. Or you can send a text like some folks are doing, 81807. You know we tend to get busy. Especially when we're at the State Fair. So come on up to the railing or call us or text us, and we'll have Mary answer uh, your question. You and I were just going to touch, before we went on, about lawns. And I was said, what a strange year it's been. And my lawn hasn't been looking the best until somewhat recently. With a more recent rainfall. But, yeah, this is a great time to uh, do renovation on your lawn. If your lawn doesn't look that great, reseeding is perfect time to do it right now. We're promoting the fine fescues at the university. They're low-maintenance grasses. And this is a perfect time to seed those. So mid-August to mid-September is 
the best time for lawn renovation. If you're thinking about aeration of your lawn, this is a good time to do that as well. So Can I have that done next week, as a matter of fact? Good. Good yeah. for you, Denny. Yeah. Great. Or do it. One of the, I haven't decided whether I'll do it. Because the machine <laughs> can run away with you for a, if right. you're not careful. Either but way works. This is really right. the good time of year to do that. It, it, yes. Better than even the spring, I've been told. Yes, better than the spring. The spring, you have the weed competition. And right now, the weeds are declining. And so you can put the seed in. If you've got bare areas, it's a good time to reseed areas. And um, the grass has the... Um, more uh, a chance to grow and the weeds are declining so that's why we favor the fall mary is also a published author in fact i saw your book a couple of days ago maybe was it at the ag court building maybe oh it, it might be it might be and what was the title of that the 10 plants that changed minnesota and of course one of the plants is the apple which ah. is very popular right now but yeah that's a great topic and the uh, minnesota historical society press published that I want to make sure that we mention that our friends uh, at the, with the furniture we're sitting on sponsor this show. That's our friends at By the Yard Patio Furniture down in Jordan, Minnesota. There at the Merchandise Mart, we'll talk about that. Uh, but that's the furniture we're uh, we're using we're again. On. This Very year. durable. Yes, yes. And Doesn't blow over. And yeah, I had to help you move the chair a little bit. <laughs> that's yeah. Right. Uh, text. By the way, the text number, if you want to use that, is eight one eight zero seven. In fact, uh, since you and I were chatting, we had a few of them pop in here. Or you can call 651-989-9226. Or we'll take them here at the fair, too. What's the lifespan of a jack pine? Texter says. Pretty pretty long. Jack pine is one of our native trees, has those little uh, cones. And, yes, uh, quite a long time. So I, I um, as long as a human, I would think. No, no problem with that. Jack pine's a good tree and not planted very much. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. What kind of uh, earth, uh, you know, or soil type? Is it is sandy is better for um, it, it? It does well in sandy soil. We see that a lot more up in the Arrowhead region, up in the um, along Superior and so on, in the coniferous forest. Um, Jack pine is notorious for the cones opening in fire, and that spreads their seed. So it's pretty oh, fire okay. tolerant. So it was on the prairie forest border as All well. All right. Mm-hmm. All right, thank you for that uh, text, 81807. Texter says, is Roundup safe? Then we'll go to the phones. Is Roundup safe to use on a garden when you need to, quote, reboot a garden that is overrun with weeds? What's the best and safest way to restore a vegetable garden that has gone bad with numerous weeds? Well, you can use Roundup to kill the weeds. Uh, many of times the weeds in a, in a vegetable garden are annual weeds. They are going to die anyway. And then what you've got is that seed bank you've got to deal with. So y- using Roundup, I would say, only really is necessary if you have perennial weeds like quackgrass or thistle, some of the things that are going to be a, a, a problem year after year. If you just have annual weeds, I would not use Roundup. I would just use uh, <coughs> tilling or removing the weeds, hopefully before they seed. Okay. Mulching is the other thing to do to keep down the se- seed bank that's going to come up from that. Good idea. Uh, let's go to the phones. I think Jean is calling from South St. Paul with a question. Jean, Mary's listening. Uh, yeah. Every year I've had just a great-looking lawn until this year. I have all these um, yellow spots with the dead grass. Some are just the size of a pie tin and some of my bigger areas. And I can't imagine I've had I've reseeded the bigger areas with some topsoil. So but kind of yellowing in the grass. What happened of, this year? 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure, uh, Jean, exactly what happened with that. It, it's possible you had a different species of grass there, and that grass died. Uh, annual bluegrass will do that, will die quickly in um, dry weather conditions. But reseeding is the best thing to do at this point. I'd watch that area uh, carefully. We rarely recommend homeowners use any uh, fungicide treatment. But hopefully just uh, raking it, reseeding with uh, seed in contact with the soil will rejuvenate those areas. All right, very good. Uh, if you want to send a text to Mary, 81807, 81807. Like we were talking about the apple, the, f- uh, the first kiss. Our, one of our listeners didn't say who it is, but says the fair happens to be out of first kiss now. Oh, I wondered about And will about not that. have any more at the fair. Thanks for that info. But it, there'll so be more. We, we have a limited uh, supply of first kiss. Uh, everybody has a limited supply of first kiss, but it'll be getting more uh, year after year. All right, I tell you what, let's do. Let's take a quick break. We have a bunch of other text messages and other callers coming in. 651-989-9226. If you have a question for Mary, you can text it as well, 81807. Or you can come on up to our deck if you have a question here uh, at the fair. Come on up to our uh, railing, and we'll uh, get you a microphone. And good morning. Welcome back to the Minnesota State Fair. This is our Lana Garden show we call Smart Garden. Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota Extension is with us here on our uh, veranda. And a lot of... <laughs> sounded kind of like nice. the South. It's right? very nice here. It is. It's, it's very nice comfortable cool. today. Yep. And I think uh, we mentioned it, uh, not to, to put the, the rain on anybody's parade tomorrow, but I think today is the day to come to the fair right. uh, compared to tomorrow. We'll see. And Labor Day, expect some showers, too. Here is a text. By the way, 81807. If you have a question here at the fair, you can come on right up to the uh, railing, and we'll get it answered for you. Um, is there a shrub for shade, Texter wants to know, that deer do not eat? I bet you get that question every day. <laughs> well, there are a lot of shrubs for shade, but then when you say that deer don't eat, it does make it tougher. But uh, I would go with two evergreens. Actually, the taxis or U Y E W. Uh, deer do not like that, and that will have a that has a good shade tolerance. And then uh, boxwood. Uh, boxwood has really done much better here in the last ten years in Minnesota. But boxwood is a broad-leafed evergreen, and it is avoided by all animals—rabbits, deer, etc. Now, boxwood is not very big. So that's like takes three a while feet or less. Yeah, it's slow growing, but it's very, very uh, deer proof. Right. Yes, so. I think uh, what did I planted twelve of them last year, and no critter touched them. You're right. right. Yeah, not yeah, a so. not a one. Uh, here's the text that says: Is it too late to trim alpine current? Well, yes. I, I would not do much pruning right now. This is kind of a tough time of year to do pruning unless you're really taking out dead wood. I'd wait until the plant is totally dormant to do the pruning. Okay. So. Let's go back to the phones, Mary. Dale, or is it Dave, I believe, is calling from Fridley. Dave, you're on CCO with Mary. Good morning. I have a question regarding moss in my backyard. Moss in your backyard. Yeah, I understand some of the reasons for it. I have a two-part question. To get rid of it, could I just spade it over, or could I put a layer of dirt over it, and how thick should that layer be? Moss in the yard. How can you get rid of that, or can you? Well, actually... um, Both of those ways might make you feel better, David, but I don't think they're going to do anything for the moss. Um, The moss is there because of low nutrients, 
uh, poor aeration, and maybe shade conditions. So if you can improve any of those, you're more likely to get rid of the moss. So just um, you can try tilling in the soil, uh, renovation in the soil, spading, what you were talking about. But then I would plant something there. I would put a ground cover that's tolerant of that site and soil conditions so that um, the, the moss has something to compete with. If that's uh, possible, I would try to plant something else there. If you have a text for Mary, 81807, here's one that says, uh, what are good hydrangeas for Minnesota? Can we put in uh, over the next month or so? Yes, you can do a lot of planting right now in the fall, and we have many uh, hydrangeas that are beautiful. Uh, hydrangeas, one uh, genus that has really increased in the variety that's available. So there, there are many to choose from, and there are three basically different kinds that you can pick from. So I would say go to the Arboretum, see what's available there, go to a local garden center. Right now they're flowering, and this is a perfect time that you can choose something that will flower. I have, for instance, I have one called Vanilla Strawberry. It comes, it's white when it comes out originally, and then it turns pink. Mm. A big hydrangea paniculata. It's about um, eight feet tall, six to eight feet tall, so it's a large shrub. So there are many different kinds and uh, types, but hydrangea is a wonderful plant with lots of variation now. You know what we should do, we haven't mentioned yet, is the university uh, website. Right, the website, and uh, Julie Weisenhorn has worked hard with a plant selection guide that's up there. Ah. You can search hydrangea. You can see pictures and uh, different heights of hydrangea and find the best one for you. So the Extension website, extension.umn.edu. So and then click on Yard and Garden. And we'll mention that certainly before uh, we take our leave today. Right. All right. Let's see who is next. Uh, They don't say what kind of bushes, but can we trim bushes now? Doesn't say what kind. Yeah, this is not the best time of year to do pruning. Uh, it's it's not so good because pruning stimulates growth. We're getting ready to go into the winter, and all that new growth could be damaged in the winter. So really, wait till uh, this time of year. I, I unless it's a dead wood or really a major problem, wait until the plant is totally dormant. A uh, texter says we recently completely uh, completed a landscape project. That required us to resod approximately 75% of our yard. The remaining 25% now has what I believe is Creeping Charlie, oh. possibly some ivy, which that's what it is, isn't it? Is yes, creeping Charlie ground, and ivy? ground ivy. How do I yeah. keep this from getting into my new sod, Texter wants to know. Well, probably the only, you're going to have to use a chemical weed control, the broadleaf weed control. And, you know, this time of year, the fall, is the best time to control creeping charlie or ground ivy. So it usually takes two applications of a weed killer that has multiple chemicals in it. It will say ground ivy, creeping charlie on the label, and then you apply it according to label directions. So twice in the fall is the best time. Uh, before we break, Greg in Minneapolis is calling in, I believe, with a question. Uh, Greg, uh, you're on CCO with Mary. Got a few. I've got a few questions about hostas. And the first one is, um, I've had some completely brown out because of the hot weather, and I'm wondering if it's okay to cut those down now. You, you can cut off the brown foliage on hosta if, um, if it's totally brown. Uh, if it's half green and half brown, it's still photosynthesizing. So try to just cut off what's brown. But oh, you're right, uh, it's a sun exposure. Yeah, so the, the whole thing, I can just cut them down like six, six, six 
six inches to the ground. <laughs> well, now you're, now you're making me a little nervous because <laughs> okay. if you cut the whole plant down, uh, you've cut off any uh, chance for photosynthesis. So that's okay. kind of drastic. So if it's okay. totally brown... Uh, it's not photosynthesizing, and yes, you could do that. I, you know, I've seen hosta come back from deer damage uh, when the deer obviously are cutting them off, and they will put out new uh, shoots. If your hosta ha- are well established, you could probably get by with cutting them back. Okay, I think we've yeah, answered that. that I wasn't sure if he had another. I wasn't sure either, but you know what? We have to He's break. Yep. We have to break. We have another half hour of the show to go, and uh, stay with us six five nine two two six. Or send a text 81807 or come up to our railing here at the Minnesota State Fair and ask Mary your lawn or garden question right here. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show live from the Minnesota State Fair here on Newstalk A3OWCCO. Mary Meyer is here with me answering your questions. And as usual, Mary, uh, questions from here on the deck too, but a lot of text messages, 81807. And our friends from By the Yard that make the best, in my opinion, patio furniture sponsor this show every week, and we appreciate that. All right, uh, let's, let's see if we can't do a bunch of these text messages so we right. don't uh, forget <laughs> folks. Uh, our ash tree, <clears throat> excuse me, appears healthy. I've preferred to use this 12-month solution versus injections to our old ash tree. Do you know if that's effective in general, that uh, treatment? I'm not sure what this person is referring to with a 12-month treatment. It's a Bayer product, I believe. It sounds like they're putting it on themselves. It sounds like it. It it might uh, be sufficient. Uh, Right now, the only thing I know that's been efficient for the emerald ash borer is the injection method. And that's a commercial uh, way that that's applied. But there, we have a lot of great certified arborists uh, in oh, this right. area. Oh, right. Exactly. Yeah, my daughter had it done to her ash trees. Uh-huh. So, yeah, there's definitely, if you have ash trees that are uh, specimens and they are healthy and there is emerald ash borer within five miles of where you live, you should consider the injection method. So um, I, I'm sorry I'm not familiar with that 12-month treatment. I'll have to read not up either. on that. Uh, Texas says, I have blight in one of my raised beds. Will it help to not plant there next summer? And is now the time to winterize my lawn? A couple of questions there. So anytime you have a disease problem, yes, uh, getting rid of the plant that has the disease and then rotating with something totally different in that area. If it's a tomato with a blight, you want to not put anything that's in the Solanaceae, the tomato, potato family. So you want to put something in like beans or something like lettuce and do the rotation. That's the best thing. And the second question was, is it time? Is it time to winterize my lawn? Oh, uh, yes. With I assume this means fertilizer, fall fertilizer. It's a perfect time to do yeah. that. We did that last uh, week myself. Yeah, so, yeah, Labor Day is the time to yeah. fall fertilize. Uh, the texter also wished the show was on for two hours. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you cut down the yellowed stalks of the tiger lilies? Yes, if they're totally yellow, and I definitely would take off the seed pods that are on uh, tiger lilies or uh, day lilies. Uh, they, uh, we don't need the seed um, production, so that's a good way to do deadheading. Right? Okay. 
Let's mention the uh, website again before we forget. Yes, extension.umn.edu is where you can get all your garden questions answered. Click on Yard and Garden. We have what's wrong with this plant, diagnostics, what insect is this, what weed is this. So a great educational tool. And get to the Arboretum, too, right? Yes, the Arboretum is at the peak now for the annual flowers. It's a diamond anniversary, 60 years of the Arboretum this year. And the color scheme this year is uh, silver with pinks and purples. So it's beautiful, and it's really peaking right now. It's really, really gorgeous. Just get out Highway 5 to around 41, and you're there. Right. The other thing is the hydrangeas are beautiful. Many of the shrub roses are blooming. So lots going on at the Arboretum. Uh, Here's a text to Mary that says, Can you comment on using the sun and plastic to, quote, solarize and sterilize an old vegetable garden laden with perennial weed seeds? Does that work? It does work. It definitely does. So this is heating the soil with the sun to kill everything that's in there or a lot of what's in there. So you cover it up up with plastic. You can do it mostly with black plastic. Gets it nice and hot in there. And it uh, probably is just going to be effective for the top three, four inches maybe. Uh, and you really, it's its almost a season where you do it, where you leave it dormant. It's quite a long time, or at least a couple of months. And for us, that's most of the season. But once yeah. you've done that, um, that will kill a lot of what's in there. Very good. Right. Uh, by the way, if you want to send a text, 81807. I uh, used a weed inhibitor product this summer in my garden, Preen, they yes, say. Yes, Preen. And it worked really well. Does it restrict growing slash blooming of surrounding <laughs> plants? Um, it can. It can. You have to read the label really carefully on preen. Uh, preen also has quite a long residual, depending on what kind you've used, uh, what formulation. Preen can inhibit germination of other good seeds. So if you put it on there to inhibit all the weed seeds and then you plant zinnia seeds, your zinnias may never come up. So you have to be careful. Use it according to the label directions. It is a very good product, mostly to use around plants that are already established. Uh, like you uh, yeah. guys always say, read the label. Read the label. Very important. Yeah. All right. Uh, when should a Texas is a hibiscus be cut back? I've had one for many years. It has 18 separate <laughs> branches, not flowering very well. And what type of fertilizer should I use? So you can cut back that hibiscus any time. You're going to have to bring that in once the weather gets cold. And it does need a lot of fertilizer, so liquid um, houseplant fertilizer, uh, miracle Grow, uh, anything uh, like 20-20-20, pretty much any water-soluble plant food is great. And the hibiscus, boy, you can put that on once a week. So it's a very heavy feeder. Mm. And I, you could do pruning any time on that because you're going to be bringing it in the house. And uh, wash it off really well uh, to get rid of the aphids. Aphids are a big problem with that plant. So uh, you want to do a lot of inspection so that it's very clean when you bring it in the house. Good idea. Why do Texas and my cucumbers get brown spots in the leaves early and die early? Well, there are a number of blight conditions that uh, cucumbers get. That's, um, it's, I, I think you're just going to have to live with that as a homeowner. Uh, the preventative sprays work prior to any disease coming on that cucumber. So you're going to have to spray it really early and weekly. Then you're going to want to quit spraying it before you start harvesting the cucumber. So it gets very complicated. So um, I I would just try to uh, have clean foliage, keep the water on the soil and the roots, and 
minimize wet foliage, use a mulch if you can, and um, just have to accept a few spots on the leaves because most of the time we found these blights with cucumbers, tomatoes, and so on, you still get a good production for a homeowner, and um, that's better than having a lot of chemicals on and then having to wait and not eat them when they're uh, really ripe. That's a good point. Uh, Texter wants to know, what's the latest? They're uh, planning on reseeding their entire lawn. What's the latest you suggest sowing those uh, grass seeds? We still say September 15th. So you got a couple weeks that you need to get it done. After September 15th, typically the weather gets cooler. We have a harder time with seed germination, and we want to have a good month of uh, growing conditions before cold weather sets in to establish in the fall. We were talking about this uh, earlier about specific grass seed. I'm having trouble, Texter says, finding fine fescue grass seed. Most of the grass seed is bluegrass or rye. Where can I find seed the U of M recommends? So garden centers will have this, and uh, this is what a shady mix is. A shady lawn mix and the no-mow lawn mix are all fine fescues. And more and more large garden centers like Gertens, Bachman's, uh, Dundee, and so on, they are having their own label custom mixes made. But it, shady lawn, if you look for shady lawns, you will find the most uh, fescues. And uh, all these fescues grow well in sun. They all grow well in sun. It's just that the fescues do grow better in shade than bluegrass and perennial rye. So Okay. There you go. Keep looking. They're out there. I know what you're going to say to this one. I know what I'd say, too. How do I get rid of moles in the backyard? Oh, this is The best way. It's a very difficult thing to do this. The science tells us the only way to get rid of the moles is trapping. And these are, these are deadly like traps that you really don't want to use near, near most humans. So it's very, very difficult. Moles usually move around. Uh, you can try to stomp down their runways, uh, try to put obstructions in their runways, put shovels in there and things like that. But it's very difficult. Uh, hopefully they will just move on to another location. That's kind of their food source, isn't it? Grubs and things like that. Grubs, insects on what's in the soil they're eating, right? So they're looking for their food source. All right, let's see. I know we have to break here shortly. Uh, Is this a good time to plant a tree? First question. Also, I have a clematis I planted two months ago, not growing. Should I fertilize it now? So a couple of questions there. Yes, it's a great time to plant a tree, and everyone who has ash trees in their property should know exactly how many ash trees they have, and you should be replanting to replace those trees. Unfortunately, we're going to lose the ash that I'm looking at right here uh, at the State Fair, but everyone should be considering uh, replacement trees for ash in the Twin Cities. And uh, the second question, I already forgot this. Uh, should I, uh, the clematis. Uh, oh, clematis, is, is not, yes. It's not growing. Should right. I fertilize? I, I, yes, I would think about fertilizing that. Uh, it's a good time of year to do planting, not pruning, but planting right now. And, yes, I would fertilize the clematis um, that you probably, it probably was getting fertilizer almost every day in the garden center. So uh, certainly on a weekly basis. So liquid fertilizer, good idea for the clematis. Very good. Let's take a quick break. You're broadcasting live from the Minnesota State Fair. The Smart Garden Show here on 830-WCCO. And good morning. We're back broadcasting our uh, Smart Garden Show here. Thanks to good folks like Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota here on our uh, deck, answering questions uh, via phone and text. And we have a lot of those. But you know what? Uh, Mary, Ken and Egan has been waiting. I want uh, to to Ken uh, to ask uh, his question. Ken, we're listening. What is your question? 
I have a very small, about a two-foot butternut tree that a squirrel planted, and I'm wondering when the best time to transplant it would be. Uh, I have one other that I transplanted from my sister. Years ago, it's growing fine, but they do have a very long uh, taproot. This one, like I said, is about two feet long, but when is the best time? So I would do that in early spring. I would do it when the plant is still dormant before the foliage comes out in early spring, like in April, as soon as you can, uh, as soon as the frost is out of the ground. And you're right, it's going to be a challenge to get that taproot, but the smaller the better. The smaller the plant is, the better chance you'll have of um, of doing that. And hey, a butternut. Now that's not a common tree, but it is a hardy tree in Minnesota. So it good. is. Yeah. Butternut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, very good. I hope that helped. Uh, well, let's go to Worthington. I think Ed is waiting there to ask a question. Ed, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I have two questions, uh, one being on iris. Uh, cut them off in August. That's, co- that's correct. You can cut them back. You can do division now. Um, it's, it, yes, but a bearded iris, good time to divide, and they're in kind of a dormant state right now. Uh, do you put bone meal on those? You can. Uh, bone meal is a good source of uh, phosphorus, and uh, you can do that, yes. Okay. Um, I have some new grass seeding. Would I put turf builder on that this fall? Or? Well, um, you know, the fertilizer, it's really based on your soil test. If you know you need fertilizer, a lot of our uh, soils are high in phosphorus and even potassium, and so I'm not so sure that you need fertilizer to get a good stand of grass. You need seeding at the right time, soil contact, and moisture. And once you've got the grass up and growing, then you can consider uh, fertilization. But really it's based on the soil test. Let's talk about that if we can. What's the process of getting your soil tested? Sure. You can, uh, there, we have the soil testing lab at the University of Minnesota. The website is a link on the Yard and Garden page uh, when you go on the extension website. And uh, you collect soil from multiple places in your yard, your lawn, wherever. Mix it together. You only need really about a cup of soil, a good sample of soil. For the soil test, it's $17 at the University of Minnesota. You can get, you can pay your $17 and get a bag through the mail. You can pick it up over at the U. But um, that will tell you what's going on with your soil, your pH, and uh, nutrient levels so that you know if you're doing a new lawn, it's a great idea to do that. All right, get a good. soil test. Very good. Uh, let's see, back to the text uh, machine here. I have numerous hydrangeas, but some not blooming. Otherwise, they appear healthy. They include an endless summer, which I have had for a number of years. But this is the first year it has hardly bloomed. The others are new in the past couple of years. So endless summer is one of the more difficult kinds to grow and flower in Minnesota. It does flower on current season's wood, and that's tough in our growing condition. So the paniculata and the arborescence, those other two kinds are Annabelle and the paniculates are much hardier than the um, uh, oh, I already endless, summer. endless summer <laughs> endless summer so endless summer is a challenge and right mine hardly had any flowers on it's a 50-50 proposition oh, that's is. how the master gardeners th- talk about it 50% of them say you'll get endless summer to bloom and 50% won't so that particular one is hard. You can try fertilization, making sure it has a lot of water. That endless summer needs a lot of water. Okay. 
Is it a good time? Texter wants to know to plant rhubarb and asparagus. Any special hints for the first timers out there? You could do that. Those are tough plants. They're very hardy in Minnesota, so I would say yes. You could go go ahead and plant rhubarb and asparagus. We all we think of those planted in the spring, but, but it, it will work right now. You might have a hard time finding asparagus roots at this time of year. That's more, it's like springtime. Uh, they're in the garden centers. But rhubarb you could probably find, uh, and they're both great plants for Minnesota. Okay. How late, Texter uh, is questioning, in the fall can you plant hostas? They're pretty tough critters, aren't they? They are tough. Uh, we like to have a month of good growing conditions before the winter sets in. So, you know, uh, we usually think October will be good growing conditions, but so so I would say try to have everything planted by the 1st of October. All right, here's a, a turf question I think uh, we've touched on before. Uh, Texas says you've talked separately about seeding in the fall and fertilizing in the fall as being both good things, but I don't think you can do those things together, or can you? Well, the ideal thing is you get a soil test, and then based on the soil test, you put the nutrients in the soil, and then you put the seed down. So fertilize, get the fertilizer in the soil, then put the seed down. Uh, that's ideal uh, conditions. So if you have an established lawn, fertilizing in the fall is great because that's when the grass roots are growing, and you can give them a big boost if you do it in the fall. You know, I've, I have over the years tried, uh, what do you call it, the uh, late uh, overwinter seeding. What do you, dormant oh, seeding. Oh, dormant, dormant seeding. Oh, yes, yes. So that, that works, that has worked in the past. Yes, there's a lot of success with dormant seeding uh, in our climate. So you put the seed down late enough that it doesn't germinate in the fall, but it works, the seed works its way down into the soil. Again, good seed-soil contact. And then early in the spring, it starts to grow right away. But the trick is... You really can't do, you can't put a dormant seeding down until we're into November. Yes. Because you don't want it to start to grow. That's right. And then, yeah, so it's a November thing. Very good. Uh, let's see. Is uh, do, 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 Why can't my garden grow radishes and carrots and everything else abundantly? I only get tops. <laughs> well, that, that could be a nutrient thing, too much nitrogen in the soil. Uh, I thought they were going to say they only get crooked ones or crooked roots, and that's because it's it's very difficult to have that nice, friable soil that uh, we need for those root crops. So I would keep trying. Uh, make sure you're in full sun and that you have enough nutrients uh, in the soil. Again, having a soil test is great. Then you know what you need to add. Uh, I was uh, somebody, and we've talked about this before as far as uh, letting your grass go to, go to seed. What's wrong with letting your grass go to seed? Isn't this a natural way to seed the lawn? <laughs> I've, I've heard it'd be nice, but I, I don't know if that works. Uh, it probably doesn't work because the amount of seed you're going to get there, uh, it would not be significant. And um, you, you really don't want the plant putting its energy in seed. You want the plant putting its energy in leaves and roots because that's what we see in a lawn. So if a lot of energy goes to the top, it reduces the vigor and stamina of the lawn itself. So it's usually not uh, what we want to do. Texture says, uh, Christmas cactus, how can I get this to bloom? I get regular new leaves but no flowers. So Christmas cactus blooms on short days, but even more with cold temperatures. So it's cool, cool conditions. So if you leave your Christmas cactus in a cool room where it only gets natural day length, 
which we're starting to get now, their days get short, you will always have your Christmas cactus blooming. If it's in a room where you have the lights on at night and it's warm for us as humans, your Christmas cactus is not going to like it. So cool cool temperatures and short days will really help help it bloom. We're going to let you go now so you can go to the Ag Hort building. Yes, I'm off to the Ag Hort building. Yes, we're just about out of time. We're going to be back in studio uh, one week from today with more Smart Garden. Yes. Mary, is always a pleasure. Thanks, thanks so pleasure. much for Gl- coming Great out to be here. Thanks, here Danny. To the fair. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.